Welcome back to the Leaders Who Love What They Do podcast. I have a guest today who is absolutely passionate about how we can help leaders to develop to be the best possible. Sarah Haddon is an organizational development and learning professional, and she's been developing individuals and teams for more than 20 years. She's currently VP Organizational Development and Learning at Xbrew, where she serves as both an internal leadership and team effectiveness coach and leads their learning and development and talent management function. So Sarah is passionate about developing a healthy organizational culture, effective teams, exceptional leaders, and engaged individuals. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. That's a lot that you're doing there. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So let's dive in, Sarah. I've got quite a lot of questions for you. Now, I know that you studied psychology as a student. And in fact, uh, we discovered we went to the same university as well, which was, uh, we which was very nice. So can you tell us what led you to choose organizational development for your career? And can you tell us more about what that actually is and what it involves on a daily basis? Sure, absolutely. So I did indeed, as you know, study psychology at university, but it was that's a long time ago now. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say I came out of school and chose psychology because I knew I was always interested in what makes people tick. What I learned at university was that I wasn't so interested in the science, frankly, of psychology. I studied psychology as a Bachelor of Science degree rather than a Bachelor of Arts. You can do it as both. And I chose a science degree. And so there was an awful lot of science in that degree. And and it was interesting. What it taught me was that I was much more interested in the interactions between people and how people build relationships and work and lead people. And so coming out of university, I landed in a corporate organization that would take me coming straight out of university. And it, it was a great opportunity. And I ended up in that role for about three years, I think. And during that three years, I tried to leave a number of times, frankly, because it wasn't floating my boat. It wasn't doing what I needed it to do career-wise, but kind of got trapped because they were paying me very well and it was comfortable. But really the thing that I realized doing that job was that the only bit of it I enjoyed was where I got to train new people. I was responsible for training new hires and that piece of the job I loved. And so I made a very conscious decision about three years after leaving university to find a role that did that full time. And so that was how I landed in learning and development. And I almost immediately knew I'd found the career that I wanted at that point. And what I've ever since been responsible for and working in is learning and development and, and teaching others various different skills, mostly soft skills. And then later in my career, working very specifically and intentionally with teams and leaders. And so you asked in your question around what is organizational development? In my mind, it's really helping teams, organizations and leaders be more effective. And you can do that in many, many different ways. That's the, the tricky thing about describing what organizational development is, because there are many methods that you can use in your toolkit as an organizational development professional. So sometimes it's training, sometimes it's coaching, sometimes it's team interventions, sometimes it's organizational structures and reorging teams or organizations. Sometimes it's culture work, really take your pick. So one of the things I love about my work is just how varied it is. I'm working with different people on different things on a daily basis, which keeps it fresh. And I love it. And, and you mentioned a few things there that you enjoy about the variety and, and really looking at connections of people. What would you say you most enjoy about your role right now? 
I do think it's the variety, but if I had to choose something specific, it would be working directly with leaders. I'm getting more of an opportunity in this current role to work directly with specific leaders across the organizations on the unique challenges that are experienced by their teams. And I can see the impact there, both my impact and more tangibly the leader's impact. And that is very rewarding. And I think, you know, I love seeing the needle move as a result of something that I've helped with or put in place with the leader. That's so satisfying, isn't it? When you can see the changes coming about there. So what has been the most powerful learning experience you've had in your career, would you say, Sarah? And how has that impacted the way that you see learning and development right now? I would say the most powerful learning experience for me personally has been being a leader myself. I think what that demonstrates is how important it is to learn from experience. You may have heard of the idea of 80-20-10 as a learning model in the past, the idea being we do 80% of our learning on the job from experience, things we're doing all of the time. And that's definitely, as I say, been driven home for me personally, because I feel like my own journey as a leader has really taught me some very valuable lessons that I now get to pass on to other leaders. And specifically, that has been around the importance really of building trust on teams and how valuable that can be and how much that then facilitates almost everything else on a team. If you have trust in your group, in your team, you can give each other robust and honest feedback. You can be more innovative because you can have that feedback and the conversation more openly and everything else follows. Um, So that has definitely been a, a powerful learning experience. And I think the idea around trust being the baseline of the triangle, as it were, is, mm. is, is, is such an interesting one. And like you say, without that, you can't really do anything, can you? I can give you an example of where that's really happened. And in the US, which is where I now work, over the last couple of years, there's been a real kind of heightened awareness of social injustices. I think that's probably true across the globe, but certainly here in the US, that's the case. And the trust that we had built on a team enabled my direct reports to give Give me really good feedback around where I was showing up as an inclusive leader and most importantly where I was not and that is not feedback that's easy to give to a leader and frankly it's not easy to hear either but it was for sure something that made a massive difference to the way that I lead both for that team and teams that I've run subsequently and I'm so grateful for those folks for giving me that feedback and I know that wouldn't have happened without the trust foundation that we built and had that underneath us to start with so just goes to show you know one feedback is important trust is critical in order to get that feedback and you have to be receptive and open to it when it comes as a leader. Yes. And that's the second part of it is so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Another big part of our a shared experience, I think we've all had in the last couple of years as well, that is obviously COVID. And now as we come out of it, and we can see that organisations and leaders have had to adapt in a way that maybe we could never have imagined, in fact, especially in relation to ensuring that well-being is at the heart of organisations. In your role, I'm sure this has been really critical. And what would you say, what have you learned from this time and how do you think this is going to change organizations and leadership in the future it reminds me 
of this lovely quote from Baroness Manoush Shafiq, who's the director of the London School of Economics. And she said, in the past, jobs were about muscles. Now they're about brains. But in the future, they'll be about the heart. And I actually think we're in the future. I think that this period of the pandemic has really shoved us very firmly into leaders needing to operate from the heart and indeed employees needing to operate from the heart as well. I think this blended environment that we're now living in, most of us working from home, or at least some of the time working from home, we're in each other's living rooms and kitchens and bedrooms all of the time, seeing each other's kids and pets, etc. You can't separate these things any longer. It used to be that we had this illusion of being able to separate our work self from our personal self. I'm honestly not sure that that was ever really possible. But now more than ever, it's very difficult to do. And we also know that it causes a real strain on people when they try to separate those things. We know this from things like code switching, for example, where employees feel pressured to become one version of themselves in the workplace and one version of themselves outside. That has long-term effects. It really causes a lot of strain and stress on an individual. And now we're all starting to feel at least a version of that, not as extreme, of course, as those that might be in minority groups. But nonetheless, I think it's making us all more empathetic, right, for the need for this integration of all of ourselves when it comes to the workplace. And again, if we bring this back to leaders, we see how impactful leaders can be at providing a safe space, a team with trust, so that people feel able to communicate when they're struggling or their boundaries need to change because their personal lives have changed for some reason. That has to be on the agenda for leaders as it does for teams. And I think, frankly, if a leader isn't putting that on the agenda for themselves and their teams, they won't get to be a leader for very much longer. I know that sounds a little bit dramatic, but I do think that's the direction that we're headed. And so now more than ever, I think leaders need to start opening themselves up to leading more from the heart than from the head. And where do you think, Sarah, they need to start in terms of making that shift? Because I would think it's not easy for every leader to, as you say, to lead from the heart and be more empathetic and create this safe space, as you said, which is so important. Where's the best place for them to start, would you say? That's a really excellent question. I would say start with yourself and learning about yourself. And that requires some real self-awareness. And we're lucky to live in this day and age where Google is our friend and we can Google almost anything. So I would say, go Google. How can you increase your emotional intelligence, your empathy skills? If you're looking for resource recommendations, my starting point would be Dare to Lead by Brene Brown is a great place to start. There are many books out there on leadership. So really take your pick, but that's my preference. She talks a lot about how leaders need to operate with more courage and bravery. And honestly, we're as leaders going to get into conversations as a result of entering into this new dimension where we're leading to the heart that we're not equipped for. And the other thing to say and to reassure leaders about is that's okay. Vulnerability is your friend. It might feel uncomfortable and scary, but it's actually important as a leader to have that empathy and that vulnerability yourself. And so if you get into a conversation that you don't know how to handle, it is absolutely okay to put your hands up and say, I'm a bit out of my depth. And that might feel very foreign to some leaders, I'm sure, but it's actually a method of building trust, ironically, given our earlier conversation. That's how we build trust with people is to admit when we don't know the answers and we're a bit out of our depths and look for their help and guidance in those moments. And then when you have some of that trust built in and you've shown some of that vulnerability, you're more likely to then start getting feedback from your team. And that's the other thing that leaders can do to start is 
ask for feedback. But if you're going to ask for it, you need to be receptive to it. So there again, we're back to that vulnerability and the importance of it. Yeah, and I love the way that you've created that circle, Sarah, in fact, Mm -hmm. of um, trust, courage, vulnerability and feedback. And that amazing circle that is so important for teams to to operate. And as you say, in, in this new era, it's not a cherry on the cake, is it anymore? This has to happen. Thank you. That's really interesting. And leading on to the next question, maybe you've already answered it, but part of your role is to develop leaders for the future. So apart from that courage and vulnerability and being able to create that trust, are there any other qualities that you think that future leaders need to have or you would like to see them having? I do think it is that trust and vulnerability and courage. I think there's a lot that comes from that then, the ability to have difficult conversations, innovation, prioritizing diversity and inclusion. I think a lot of it stems though from what we've already talked about. I would acknowledge again that this is an uncomfortable place for many leaders and just to reassure folks that that's okay. You're not expected to magically know how to do all of these things. I do think the leadership game has changed over the last decade, really, but certainly in the last two or three years. And so if you're feeling out of debt or uncomfortable, I would say, good, that's excellent. That means that you're probably doing the right thing if you're feeling a little out of sorts and like this isn't what you rehearsed for because it's not what any of us rehearsed for, but you have to get uncomfortable in order to get better. And so maybe that's the answer to your question. Maybe it's to embrace discomfort a little more and not assume that we have the answer, we have the direction, follow me, but more to open ourselves up a little bit to what we don't know and be curious about that. Yeah, and and being curious and to be able to step outside of our comfort zone and ask those difficult questions is going to be key, isn't it, for this next period of time where all leaders, as you say, need to make big strides, in fact, and if not for themselves, but even to prepare the next generation who are coming along. Can I ask you for a final question, Sarah? You've given us so much value and I feel bad asking you for another one. What is your top tip for leaders? My top tip for leaders would be don't be under the illusion that you have all of the answers. And if you think you have all the answers, you're wrong. (laughs) Again, that might sound a little bit harsh. None of us have all of the answers. And so that humility and the vulnerability of recognizing I don't know it all. And it's important that I ask others. Because the other thing is that we do think we have a natural tendency to think we have the answers as leaders, but we have the answer that will work for us and our lived experience and our limited way of living and, and the things that we've been exposed to over the course of our lives. But we know more than ever that everybody's having a different lived experience and it is really important that as leaders we're opening ourselves up to what other people are going through and experiencing and asking questions about that so that we know whether the answer we think we have will work for everyone in our team or in our organization. That's wonderful. And that, and for me, that really is inclusion in action, isn't it? When mm-hmm. we realize, well, firstly, we're not the center of the world and we're not all living the same experience. Thank you so much, Sarah. My goodness, what a great interview. And thank you for all of your ideas and uh, generous insights that you've given us both on the, your experiences, but also what you see for the future for leaders. So, so interesting and valuable. So Sarah, I'm sure there will be listeners who would like to contact you. What's the best way to do that? 
you can find me on LinkedIn and I would love to hear from any of your listeners. Wonderful. Well, we'll put the link in the show notes. So if anyone would like to find Sarah's contact details there, just go to the show notes and you will find the link there. Thank you again, Sarah. And I do hope that you can join us again another time. We have many other topics that we could talk about uh, in terms of leadership. So thank you so much to you, our listeners. Thank you for joining us and do join us again soon to meet another leader who loves what they do. Goodbye.